Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on this family-friendly Foster Care Friday episode. We've got Chris Knowlton in with us today in the studio. We're going to jump into a conversation about parents' rights, children's rights possibly, and also the responsibility of the law, the community, us, the taxpayers, and how we should be addressing this crisis in the foster care system that we're having and also a crisis in the home and families and how law is engaged with that. We'll have that conversation after some inspiration. Our inspiration today is going to be in God's hands. Turning 18 ushered in a new era in my daughter's life, legally an adult. She now had the right to vote in future elections and would soon embark on life after graduating from high school. This shift had instilled in me a sense of urgency. I would have precious little time with her under my roof to impart to her the wisdom she'd need to face the world on her own, how to manage finances, stay alert to world issues, and make sound decisions. My sense of duty to equip my daughter to handle her life was understandable. After all, I loved her and desired for her to flourish, but I realized that while I had an important role, it wasn't solely or even primarily my job. In Paul's words to the Thessalonians, a group of people he considered his children in the faith because he'd taught them about Jesus, he urged them to help one another, but ultimately he trusted their growth to God. He acknowledged that God would sanctify them through and through. Paul trusted God to do what he couldn't, prepare them, spirit, soul, and body, for the eventual return of Jesus. Though his letters to the Thessalonians contained instructions, his trust in God for their well-being and preparedness teaches us that growth in the lives of those we care for is ultimately in his hands. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being the initiator and finisher of our spiritual growth. Please help us to trust you for that good work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we do got to pay attention to the spiritual growth of those in our care. We also need to be paying attention to overall human growth, the growth of an individual, and that is something that we as parents do, but more and more the state is taking away some of those abilities and been put in the driver's seat, but seemingly what's happened in our state with some laws and the the legislature has passed Really, we have a a car now in the family and our children that is just cruising down the freeway with no one holding on to the steering wheel. Sometimes the kids get a nudge it every now and again towards the ditch, but the parents have less ability to pull it back into the lane and and on the straight and narrow. So we're going to talk about 5599. This was legislation that was passed last year as well as 5596. Those are Senate bills. They are not active bills, folks. I just want to be clear. Those were laws that were passed. And I know that we've been encouraging people to contact their legislators on issues and of course there's the legislative hotline 1-800-562-6000 to reach out to your legislature and in the coming month or so we're going to be talking specifically with a multitude of people on specific bills that we can engage with our legislators and of course you can go to that social media site that is taxpayer funded to look up legislation that the 
legislature is working on, like in areas of family and law and, you know, whatever area you feel like you have expertise in where you can help legislators, go to ledge.wa.gov. This is your social media site, taxpayer funded. You can talk to your legislators. You can send messages. You can review bills and get active. And today we've got Chris Knowlton in the studio with us today. He's pretty active in advocating for children. Last time we had you on, Chris, you kind of introduced yourself to the listeners with your past and also as a professional doing a foster care. So thanks for coming in again today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Tim. Yeah, I just wanted to cover the fact that the listeners cannot affect 5599 and 5596 specifically because those were already passed, but we're already seeing uh, the problems with those laws. And so our legislature could take action in changing them this legislative cycle if they get active. So tell us a little bit about what you think is, is really the aftermath of this. So to recap real quick uh, who I am, um, from the source, Spokane, uh, we run uh, high-needs foster homes here in Spokane, Washington, um, in Spokane County and in Stevens County, um, have a series of five different homes serving the most vulnerable youth. And these laws really affect uh, foster care children and parental rights. I'm going to start with 5596. It's a little older. It, It was passed in 2018, and that's one of the laws that first got me looking at the legislation that affects the work that we were doing. Um, In 5596, it had good intentions, but the outcome has been very negative. There's been negative outcomes uh, from it. 5596 was passed to no longer use detention for status offense. A status offense is basically like a non-criminal offense that a child would have. So if a foster care children is placed in a home and he's court ordered to be in this foster care home, but he decides to run from foster care, uh, say like he's 14 years old, he takes off to the streets. Before 5596, law enforcement would issue, a warrant would be issued and law enforcement would go pick the child up and they would be taken to detention for a short time, hopefully, and then re-engaged with their foster home. The 5596 was intended to keep the state from being able to use detention as a placement for foster care children, which I support that. Um, I think that it's not very productive. You know, you look at uh, the negative effects on a person when they are in an incarcerated place, they are around criminals. And if you're there because because you ran from home and then you're around people who are high level criminals, you, the tendency is for them to become repeat customers of the juvenile facilities. Well, they'll just get recruited by the criminals in the, in the detention centers, right? Correct. Correct. So, um, so it had good intentions to not, you know, have kids go to jail for being on the run or not obeying a court order to be in a certain place. But the bad part of it is, is that there's kids that go on the run down from 11 years old up to 17 years old without the ability for the law enforcement to pick them up. There's no way to re-engage them into the setting that was more stable than where they were currently at. So if a kid is downtown Spokane and they ran from a foster home, the law enforcement go there, they don't have any teeth anymore to be able to pick the kid up and return them to placement. And so law enforcement has kind of said, what's the point? I, if I take them to detention, they don't they don't book them. And then the provider doesn't come down and pick them up. It doesn't work. And so we have these children that are on the streets. And the thing that I want listeners to be aware is that not only it does the child know that they're not going to get arrested, but the people, the bad actors in our communities, the predators are aware that this law is out there too. So now they've got this uh, child that is not answerable to the laws of an adult. So whatever crimes they may commit will probably be bargained down to about nothing because so that makes law enforcement not want to really engage as well mm-hmm. because they are minors. So then you'll have adult criminal 
actors using children for criminal behavior? They will exploit them. So on, on a simple level, it usually starts by like uh, shoplifting lists. So the 14-year-old on the street, they're going to have needs. They need food. They need a place to stay. Um, they, they have some needs that they need. So typically, they want a cell phone, whatever it may be. So people on the streets will negotiate with them. Hey, you go do this for me. So let's say it's, um, I have a list of 10 items I want you to go steal from Walmart. You steal these items, uh, bring them to me, and I'll get you what you need. So the kids will start on that level, but then it quickly escalates into, hey, you want these items? Well, now I have these sexual acts I want you to do. And it happens all the time. All across our state, yeah. I've, I've seen it happen many, many times. It doesn't matter if it's a boy or girl. It happens all the time to highly, highly vulnerable foster care kids. So, so they're being exploited to, for, for theft, heard of drug trafficking as well mm, correct so that they you know because obviously they they don't have a place to live they have somebody that will give them a place to stay that's warm have a roof over their head and then they exploit their youth and their their vulnerable position as a foster care child that's no longer in care and so, so i mean all, all the way up to you know using food stamps doing the shopping for uh, welfare fraud all sort the plethora of of the criminal activity that's in the underbelly of our city and all across the state, like you said. Correct. Yeah. The, and these aren't just a few children. This no, is not, this is like people say foster care. You think in your head, well, you know how many kids are in the, in the County and schools, you know, 40,000, you start thinking about it. Well, there's probably only a couple thousand children in foster care in the state, but that's not true. No, there's a uh, 8,000 over 8,000 foster care kids um, in Washington state. And, um, and that's numbers from U of Dub. Correct. Right, University of Washington. Correct. But the state numbers for, is older from 2019. There was over 11,000, right? Correct. Yeah. And so the numbers, sometimes the data is kind of hard to find at times. The, the most current uh, missing from care analysis that the state has is 2019. It's labeled part one and it's like a four-year analysis. And so they're probably part two based off of that math of four-year analysis should be coming out within the next year. And, and these are basically missing children. There's So you're looking at more than 10% of the foster care children in our state are unaccounted for more or less. Yeah, they, well, the, the data was 13.2% ran from placement and 25% of that number were gone longer than 25 days. So that's a lot of kids on the street. And if it was my child at 14 years old, I'm going to be worried sick and I'm going to do all points bulletin. It's going to be all over the news um, to get my child back. But one of the things that there's a statistic out of Arizona um, because it's a world or a nationwide problem that we have. And the statistic out of Arizona, there's a, a, a child in there with a quote and their quote basically says, I want to make this very clear. No one looks for us. I want to make it clear that no one looks for us. This is a 14 year old kid saying that no one is looking for foster care children. They don't have parents that, you know, they're in foster care because their parents have, you know, some complex issues that are keeping them from being a good parent. And if it's a state worker that's assigned to them and they disappear and we don't have the requirement anymore because these laws have, have hindered our ability to do anything about it, those children are the prime sus or prime targets for, for predators. They get picked up, sold into sex trafficking. And my fear is the only way that we're going to see a change in some of these laws is for something horrible to happen that gets a lot of publicity from one of the kids in foster care. Well, I think there's horrible things already happening to children in foster care. And uh, some of that is tied to the 5599 law that, you know, takes parents out of the driver's seat. It's now child abuse, not to recognize your, your child's 
self-identity, their gender, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's an, a reason for the state to get involved. And then, of course, the foster care system is helping these children that are sometimes only temporarily taken out of custodial care to start that transition process. And that's one of the biggest problems is the parents really don't have the say anymore as much as the child does. We've really taken out the, there's this uh, theory, it's called Erickson's Theory of Human Development. And it basically talks about the timeline of human development and really that the the brain is really not developed until you're like 25 years old. But we're putting life-altering decisions in the hands of children. So a child can decide, 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, something that is life-altering. So for instance, in the gender-affirming care world, we're going to say, okay, let's, that's what the child wants at 14 years old. Let's do that. Give them some hormone blockers. Let them go down the path of gender-confirming uh, surgeries without allowing their brain to become fully developed. That's but by the time their brain is fully developed, now they've realized they've made life-altering decisions that affect their whole entire future, mm-hmm. a whole litany of healthcare issues, problems, and the inability to procreate. Yeah. And one another piece that, that I've noticed is um, a piece that's not even looked at or talked about when you're talking about gender affirming care is the root of the gender dysphoria. I, I have the privilege of looking at uh, different, you know, youth over the course in the, in the, um, in our state and learning about their history. Um, I've reviewed a bunch of different packets from, from, children. And what I notice is that there's a big correlation from children who are sexually abused to those who struggle with their sexual identity. Um, very big connection between the two. And I think we need to really take into consideration Eric and Erickson's theory of human development. When can a person make a conscious decision to do you know, something that, that drastic? Um, I think I w- 45. Four, yeah. 45 is good because then you got to have a couple decades where you're you're thinking clearly and you can study these issues. So I, I think definitely later in life than uh, 12 or 13 years old. We have got to take a break and we're going to come back with Chris Knowlton. We're going to talk about these issues that are going to not just affect the children's future that are in foster care or that are uh, in custodial care, their parents care, their guardians, that nobody's behind the wheel. These children are headed towards who knows where, concrete walls, ditches. Nobody is behind the wheel except for a misguided state policy. And children that are confused, abused, are now put in the driver's seat being told they have to make decisions with all the road signs pointing in different directions. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you to all the listeners that listen to the show so we can all stay informed on what's going on here on the Right Spokane Perspective. We also want to thank all those who contribute to keep us on the air. All those contributions go directly to the cost of our airtime and production of Right Spokane Perspective. Again, you can help us out by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and contributing. Also, make those checks payable to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, Send them to P.O. Box 7620-99207. We appreciate all those contributions to keep us on the air. Also, this year, we're looking at maybe having local businesses. That's right, local businesses that are conservative, Christian, common-sense-minded businesses that want to advertise to you, the listeners out there. We also like to help listeners find those good small businesses that we can support. Again, rightspokaneperspective.com. Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, P.O. Box 7620-99207. Back to the show. And welcome back to Friday's episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. This is a family-friendly foster care Friday. We have Chris Knowlton in the studio with us again today. 
And we're talking about these laws, 5599 and 5596. I believe 5599 was passed in 2023, maybe it's 2022. That law has to do with uh, parental rights. And then you also had 5596 that passed in 2018 having to do with children's rights and, and foster care. So those are issues that we can contact our legislature about and they need to take action. If not, then maybe citizens initiatives are in line here to, to do something. Of course, we've seen this gr- group that's very successful in citizens initiatives, the Let's Go Washington, that just put a lot of those into place. So we as citizens can take action on changing the outcomes for children and families in our state. So welcome back. Can to and should. Can and should. Uh, so welcome back to the conversation, Chris. Thank you. Where are we going from here? Obviously, these things that our state legislature has done has created chaos in our culture, society, and families. Where do we go? Well, we have to have people get involved because when uh, when we're not doing anything, um, stuff happens behind our back. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, why did that get passed? And you get kind of blindsided because I think 5599 had, had a lot of traction before many people even knew it even existed. And then when we got it, when we had the opportunity to get it, uh, the referendum, uh, we didn't have enough time and didn't get enough signatures on the ballot to be able to get it to uh, a vote. Well, referendums the- are a little tougher because you've got a higher threshold of, I believe, signatures you have to get. And it has to be done in a much shorter period of time, the referendum. It's like uh, right after the legislative session, I think you have till like the end of July or something, mid-July, to get those turned in. Whereas with an initiative process, you've got from the point of the initiative till the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so perhaps we should have it uh, go that way. There's, uh, with 5599, um, I've, I've seen the effects of it and... You know, I know people who have who have uh, been affected by you know because they had a, a child who was having some trouble at home, and the child starts saying stuff at school, and all of a sudden the school comes in, and the parent's a good parent. I know this person personally, and the accusations were false against them. But because of that, this whole thing of, of protecting the child's decision, the child you know is in the driver's seat. They get to decide at 14 years old what they, what they should and shouldn't be doing. But they're and, also being guided by bureaucrats and social workers. They're guided sometimes not even maliciously, but they're guided in the process on what they're allowed, what they can do, and what the state will help them implement as a personal policy, like whether you're going to identify as something else, whether you're gender fluid, whatever it is. They lay out all these options for children that obviously were never there before, because like you said, with biological thought in mind, we don't have clear thoughts and wisdom until we're like 25. So here's these children that have this ability to make decisions that uh, social workers or a school counselor or maybe an activist teacher is pushing them down this road mm-hmm. since they have the freedom to, uh, you know, modify their, I, I, I don't know, and biology. All of, that, all of that to me is very odd. We have laws in place where you cannot start smoking, you cannot buy cigarettes until you are 21 now. They move the age to 21. You cannot buy alcohol until you are 21. Can't get a you tattoo. You cannot get a tattoo. Well, you can with a parent's permission now at like 16. Um, well, why is, but the with parent parent's in, permission, why is the parent involved in that decision? But you cannot, <laughs> even, you cannot even sign up for the military and go off into the military until you are at least... 18. Right. And right. all of those those decisions were put in place by the legislature because that's when they felt that young adults were at a mature enough age to make right. decisions on their own. So why well, right. we're even fighting any of this is beyond me. Well, and you can register to vote now at, at, at 17, uh, but you can vote at 18, but at 12, 
you can decide to alter your or destroy your biological future. Yeah, so that that's shocking. You know, if you go back 15, 20 years ago, I would have never thought we'd be having these kind of conversations. You know, there's certain things we don't get to choose in life. My, They'd say, oh, this if 10 years ago that, oh, this is fictitious. Where, where are you coming up with this stuff, Chris? <laughs> this has got to be out of some weird... <laughs> sci-fi uh you know sick this this had to come out of a, mm. a mental institution uh philosophy you, you must have ran nope. into washington some really State. crazy people oh no it's just washington now yeah and there's some people you know there's an agenda people have an agenda and when they when they buy into that narrative you really can't talk reason with them you know it's very difficult to you know to uh negotiate with people who are very, very, you know, have a very, very different well, that, uh, world view than that's you. That's why we used to have padded rooms for people that thought it was okay to, uh, you know, mutilate children's genitals. I mean, that was kind of a thing. We had prisons for that. Now it's like, well, you know, we're just going to call it a, 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 what is it, like a niche market for for new medical practitioners. Well, and it's it's very dangerous, and the the consequences of it, you know, for the child are lifelong. And one of the pieces that you'll see on the um, the voices that are in opposition, the people who are the detransition people, there's a bunch of them out there, but they are ostracized and blacklisted and silenced and, and ridiculed because they realize they made a mistake. They're, and there's a bunch of them. There's a yeah. bunch of people um, that have national platforms. Chloe Cole is one of them. She's spoken a lot about, you know, hey, I was a hurting young lady. I was 14 years old and I needed help. I did I didn't want to be a girl anymore. I wanted to be a boy. And I went to you for professional help. And the end result is I I chopped off my breast. I took all these hormones and did irreversible damage to myself. But you were supposed to help me, is what she tells her doctor. You were supposed to help me through that time and you didn't. You know, you allowed me to, to harm myself more. Well and, and there's even a uh, there is an actual surgeon that uh, went to school to be to get his PhD in these surgical procedures. And I don't I don't remember if it was a 2020 edition. I was watching an informational show on TV and he came out and he said, well, we are just practicing. We, I mean, we do these surgeries, but we will not know the effects of these surgeries for another 20 years or more. Well, there really hasn't so been any studies these, on it. Right. Well, and he said there, there can't be because people haven't had the surgery and lived with this change long enough for them to go ahead and do the studies. Well, and actually and so, they have been going on for a while. This has been something that they've been testing for a couple decades behind the closed doors of sicko university uh, classrooms in a few fields. Mm -hmm. And in all reality, I mean, it, it, you don't have to have a study or understand uh, quantum physics to know that doing physical damage to a child is wrong and should be criminal. Absolutely, it should be. You know, and, and I think the biggest place where we should start looking is informed consent or um, the ability to make informed decisions. A child can't do that. You know, you ask anybody when they're a child, you know, say 14 years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? They might have some radical or crazy ideas, um, but they're still, their brain is still developing. They're not ready to make a, a life-altering decision. They and, can't buy a house. And my biggest thing is to say, wait till they're an adult. They can't get into a, you know, uh, you have to be 17 to get into a radar movie. You got to be 18 uh, to get a pack of cigarettes. Well, to join the military, yeah. 21 for cigarettes and yeah. alcohol. It's, right. it's, and it's so crazy that all of a sudden at 14 years old, you can decide to mutilate your body. Well, it's crazy, even crazier in Washington state at 13 years old, parents lose their ability to really be fully engaged with their child's health care. Or be informed. At, at 13 years old or be informed about it. But with this 5599 law, it actually starts in preschool. 
Yeah, there's, it's, it's really, um, the citizens have to get involved. You know, we have to get involved and, and work to bring some, some change to these bills um, and repeal them because they're detrimental to families, you know, and um, let the kids grow up. If they want to do something to themselves when they're an adult, have at it. You have you have the ability to do whatever you want as an adult. You're over eighteen, but you can make but those we choices. shouldn't be counseling children to a life altering decision. Our goal is to help. You know, a few years back uh, in the DSM five, the gender dysphoria was listed as a mental health disorder, and they have modified that in the latest edition um, because of the culture of, of the culture that right, we're right. In. Yeah. Well, that's right because uh, fentanyl use and the overdoses that come with it. It's those are not. Um, uh, addiction problems, it's a disease, right? It, it, this is not mm -hmm. a criminal activity to be uh, engaged with those th drugs. It's it's a disease, they call it. And, and I think that's important, too, that the terminology is being stolen and taken from the English language, and they're using these woke ideologies, and a lot of it seems like they're creating a problem to solve because there's money in it. So I think the money side of it's a problem when you're looking at the pharmaceutical industry and specialty medical stuff. But in medical care, what happened to the Hippocratic Oath? You know, you're, mm -hmm. you're supposed to heal the infection in the leg, not just automatically cut it off. This is not Civil War era, right? Just because you have a, an issue with certain appendages doesn't mean you remove them. And the same should be with uh, gender uh, issue. I think that there should be do no harm and, and try to get to the, like you said, the the mental health issue behind some of these things. It's just like we're seeing Canada doing this assisted suicide where they're killing teenagers because they're depressed and confused instead of saying, how do we counsel you mm -hmm. in the struggle you're in? And, and is that where America is going? We're just going to uh, see a lost generation completely? Well, if we are looking at the Hippocratic Oath of do no harm, and let's just say, well, this is a very uh, debated field, a debated topic or debated topic, um, a lot of controversy, you know, there's a lot of people on one side and the other. But if we think that this potentially does harm, shouldn't we just put the brakes on for a little bit and say, hey, mm -hmm. can we look at this? What does the data show? What are the outcomes? You know, you'll, you'll hear a lot about data outcomes, evidence-based practices until this kind of thing. And then there's no data no evidence and no outcomes to look at because it's so brand new. And, you know, and I want to see, you know, there's nobody looking at the reason why, why, why are they like that? I remember one story I heard, there was a young girl who wanted to be a boy. And when you look at the history of where she came from, she was being molested by her biological father and her brother was not. And so she, all of a sudden she's like, I want to be a boy because boys don't get hurt, but girls do. And so, you know, looking at, the history of the child, all the things that they've gone through, um, understanding decision-making capacity and developmental growth and allowing them to become an adult, let them work through some of the challenges, doing no harm. A counselor should be doing everything they can to help that child accept their, how they're created. You know, what, what, mm -hmm. uh, there are certain things we can't control in life. Um, I can't control what my skin color is or how tall I am um, or if I was born, born male or female. And those are certain things I can't control. And so the, the counselor should be trying to help us come to grips with whatever trauma we experienced and uh, to understand that, you know, hey, you're made in the right body. You're okay, you know? Right. Well, then we have to conceptualize all the things that those issues and then say, okay, where's reality? This is the reality that we're facing, understanding the realities. And, and to operate in delusion is to continue to operate in delusion. And unfortunately, with like psychiatrists, their hands are tied. They, they can't tell someone that these delusions 
are not natural because now the law in Washington state says it is natural. No, but I think that they should be beholden to work under the, the code of what is age appropriate what is age appropriate conversations for one? Right. Well, what is do age no appropriate? Um, do no harm. But right. you know, like we talked about 18 years old to sign up for the military. You, after you're 18, you can make, you're considered an adult. You can make those types of decisions. We should have an age effective. This 5599 uh, shouldn't uh, number one have even been available in Washington state. But number two, we should, you ha- should have to be 18 in order to, even go down that road, yeah. Go down that road. Yeah, I, I think we're we're sitting in a place of delusion. We have to get back to some kind of normalcy where, you know, biological truth, you know, science, you know, the science was settled, right? That's a, I, I think that we know that. Uh, we know it in our hearts. And now we're pushing this on children. It's not just that a child that's confused can go to someone that works for the government, whether it's schools or whatever, and destroy their whole entire future with the state's help. It's that we're pushing this on children with the universal uh, sex ed, the comprehensive sex ed programs, programs that are being inputted into the school curriculums. We're pushing this on children. And we know what the data is with people that had gender dysphoria. 44% higher suicide rates than the general population. So I, th- I think we know the results of going down this road and pushing children in that direction, and that's why Chris Knowlton is so adamant about this. We're going to have to take off for today's show. I want to f- finish this conversation on the podcast version because I think we need to dig a little bit more into this with uh, Mr. Knowlton. So, folks, grab the podcast. We're going to finish up this discussion there. For the rest of you folks on the radio, we'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye. Okay, so to finish up this conversation just really quickly, because I wanted to wrap this up and we didn't quite have time on the radio version, you're really engaged with this, not just because you're a father and you have children, but in in the foster care world. We kind of started out the show with how foster care children are targeted by monsters, basically, mm-hmm. out in the community, but now we have the monster of the state that is putting the foster care children in even a, a higher risk category with all these other things. Is that kind of what what pushes you towards these things with 5599 and 5596? I think the biggest thing that pushes me is I care about children, you know, and when you see something that doesn't seem healthy for kids, you know, you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. Um, And it comes out, you know, basically mankind has been around a long time and just now we're in this level of, hey, you don't have to be stuck in the body you're created in. Um, You have a choice now, Um, but you really don't have a choice because no matter what they do in regards to gender-affirming care, biologically, chromosomes um, in their bone structure, in their DNA... They'll never change. You can't change it. Can't change it. Well, and kind of circling back to 5596, with foster care, basically giving these youth a choice that they don't have to be in care, the officers can't detain them, and take them out of human trafficking, drug trafficking, the, the, mm-hmm. they've become victims of horrible criminal acts. And and our state government has put no one in the driver's seat to, to save these children from the despair of the future they're headed to. Well, our state government, you know, there's a crisis in foster care. There's just a, there's a crisis there. We have a lot of parents that shouldn't be parents that abuse their children. And so then they get pulled into care. Um, and then we have a lot of failures across the board. It's, it's very, very difficult work. Um, a lot of kids don't do well in foster settings. They don't do well in group home settings. 
And so we have this problem. And then, so like if we look at the running, getting kids to come back, putting them in detention is bad because it causes recidivism and then they continue to go to detention. And so the people who mean well, the legislators and that, they're like, well, that's not working good. Let's try it. And then they swing the pendulum the totally other direction. They say, okay, no consequences for anything because we don't want them in detention because that's going to make them commit more crimes. Mm -hmm. And so then they just get slapped on the wrist, you know, nothing for a long time. And then they become a career criminal because they got away with it so much. And so right. it's easy. Well, and also the, the detention center and, and also the foster facility model, like you said, not every child does well there. Uh, we saw this with childcare. We've talked about it on the show a number of times that the state regulatory system has made it hard on individuals to care for children, like in childcare, the family home structure uh, type childcare mm -hmm. setting. And same, I, I understand foster care, part of the crisis there is that there's too much dependence on facilities because individuals no longer want to engage with the state. Well, part of it. And then the if you have a child who is very disruptive and dangerous to some degree, parents are like, I can't handle that child. Right. And so then there's the need for this child has to have a place to be and he's not suitable for a you know a family type placement so we'll put him in a group home and we'll do the best we can to get him to get his behaviors under control so that he can go to a lesser restrictive service it makes it very very challenging um, when youth know like i've met so many kids who come in and they already know how to manipulate the system to get what they want mm -hmm. um, but they don't have anybody that cares about them right and so they're only working for their own good like I want this, this is what I'm going to do. And so I'm going to control the situation in this way. And so you see these kids and they're, they're coming in and, and they, they are going to fail in their future. They're going to become the people living on the streets. They're going to become the people populating our prisons um, without people who care about them, without connection and relationships. Because relationships really, every human being is designed to need relationships. We need people in our lives. And without that, we will struggle with loneliness, depression. Um, and for the foster care kids, they're like, well, I don't want to work, so I'm just going to break the law to make money. Yeah, and, right. and then they have no the consequences that come from that. Yeah, no accountability. And on the other side of that, I, I actually, had this conversation it didn't have to do with foster care necessarily 14 year old girl that said i will never work i'm like uh you're 14 what do you mean you'll never work don't oh no my parents don't work my aunt doesn't work there's a, a way because of government i will never have to work and and to have that mindset at 14 like why are you even going to school mm -hmm. why, why why would you do anything if you're just going to be a funded blob for the rest of your life so the state policies, it's just like, I think we should drug test for welfare. Welfare. I think that we should have a work requirement for able-bodied people on welfare because what we're doing with the foster care system, the welfare system, to me, is, is devastating. It, it's depriving people of purpose. And, and I think that this is something that every single person that hears this show, it affects them mm -hmm. because you're a taxpayer. Eventually, you're going to need health care in the future. Who's going to be doing that health care? You're, you're going to need uh, services in the future. Who's going to work in those industries? And so this... And 5599 opens the door for them to go ahead and come in and do it to your family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it, this, it is, does this is your children, us. your grandchildren. I don't think anyone's going to be left untouched by this because even if you send your children to private school, when they go out into the world and they work and they're looking for a uh, mate someone to, to marry they're going to be engaging with people that were in the public school system and all of these struggles that we are creating with government policy we're all going to feel and see the devastation so it's time to get involved and we're, we need to call that hotline when we see these issues pop up we're going to be talking later in the legislative session with chris knowlton as well as others to 
make you folks and ourselves apprised of the legislation that's on the table that's going to alter the future in our state here in Washington and the legislative hotline. Just you have it, put it on your fridge, have it ready to go when it's time to make that call. 1-800-562-6000 to contact your legislators and always use that social media site that's funded by you, the state website ledge.wa.gov that's leg.wa.gov find the topics that are important to you comment on legislation that's being proposed don't let your legislature represent radicals they're supposed to represent you all that being said we'll be with you folks again on monday bye-bye